Have you ever been on a trip when suddenly your navigation app warns you there's an object on the road ahead of you? Those are really helpful warnings, aren't they? Because they put you on full alert. For the next minute or so, your attention is fixed on making sure you don't hit that object. Hey, I'm Nate Dancer. You're listening to Purity for Life. Our episode today is about forgiveness, and it's going to be a little bit like getting a warning that there's an object on the road ahead of you. Anytime we're in unforgiveness, I think the enemy has a pretty easy time dragging you into some habitual sin. And I think we all, coming out of sexual sin especially, we need to be prepared to get tested in this area. So practicing forgiveness uh, really becomes one of those lifelong activities that we need to be good at to walk with the Lord. You and I both know that relationships are messy and there are a lot of opportunities to get offended. Those offenses are like dangerous objects in the road and if you don't avoid them, they're gonna do real damage. That's why forgiveness is so crucial because it gets us around those objects and keeps us on the road to freedom. That's what's coming up, here we go. All right, so Pastor Ed Book has joined me in the studio. Pastor Ed's the Vice President for Counseling here at Pure Life. Thanks for coming in. Hi, Nate. It's great to be here again. Okay, so this episode is part of our Key Lessons on the Road to Freedom series, and I've mentioned this probably at the beginning of every show, but the reason that we developed this series is because walking on the road to freedom requires a new lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so before repentance. We were all in step with the world. We're following the desires of our flesh. We're just carrying out the the desires of our body and mind. You know, we're going in a spiritual direction that is in step with the spirit of the world. Right. And when we repent, we are changing that direction through repentance, but that doesn't stop there. We now need to walk out a new lifestyle. Mm. So we need to be led by the Spirit of God. We need to seek the things that are above, put to death the deeds of the body, that kind of stuff. It's Repentance is that one-time act, but it's also a new lifestyle. Yeah, right. Um, okay, and so a person is on this road to freedom, and that is going to be greater and greater freedom as they go. But because it's a walk, there's going to be lessons that they need to learn as they, as they walk on this road. And that's the stuff that we want to cover in this series, is key lessons on the road to freedom. Wow, hopefully people are keeping track with me on that. <laughs> um, today, I want to cover forgiveness because I have talked to the counselors in our residential program, and I've just heard them express that, man, forgiveness is like one of those core issues that need to be dealt with, where there are oftentimes people are holding on to offenses, and that is keeping them stuck spiritually. Hmm. And that sometimes what really needs to happen is like, they just need to forgive this person that they've been holding a, a grudge against or bitterness toward, and then all of a sudden, wow, there's this new life, there's this spiritual life that begins to well up, and they start to experience victory over sexual sin. So I was like, wow, we need to talk about forgiveness then. Mm -hmm. So 
Why is it that there's this connection between forgiveness and finding freedom? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a great question, and maybe the answer is a bit complicated. So, but I'll try and lay it out for us okay. uh, here. So, you know, let's start with just an understanding here that we live in a corrupt world, right? Uh, it's a world full of sinful people, so it's inevitable that we're going to experience offenses. People are going to sin against us. Jesus even said that offenses must come, or Luke's version of it is it that it's impossible that no offenses should come. But mm. woe to the one by whom they come, you know. Jesus adds that thought to it, but but he's warning us all that offenses are going to happen. But it's how we respond to these offenses that's going to make all the difference, you know. And of course, uh, I mean, in counseling realms, you know, um, often the initial uh, some of these offenses happened when people were very young, as young children, so they didn't even have the understanding of forgiveness or what forgiveness was. Maybe even at the time that things happened. Happen. Uh, maybe they weren't raised in a Christian environment where they saw forgiveness being practiced or modeled for them, uh, and they just don't really know better in a certain way. Or, uh, you know, there's that other time uh, when the offense seems just so big that we just decide we're not going to, we're not willing to forgive sometimes. You know, and I think of things like maybe sexual abuse, uh, sometimes circumstances or events that happened in connection with the parents getting divorced has mm -hmm. led that sort of thing to, to develop. It can be any kind of incident where someone felt, you know, especially humiliated or betrayed, something like that. Um, those are the kind of things that, that I think of in that big category that where somebody just ultimately refuses to forgive. And, you know, maybe there's other reasons why they haven't forgiven by the time we're counseling with them. You know, I'm sure there are other reasons. But in the end, they, they've got this list of people and offenses that things that have just never been forgiven, never dealt with through forgiveness in their life. And the inevitable result of being in that position is that they're living to some degree with a victim's mentality. And so the more unforgiveness there is, the more they're seeing themselves as a victim, the more they feel victimized and the more they think as a victim. And that is going to lead directly into depression, anger, resentment, bitterness, you know, the kinds of issues really that bring a lot of people into counseling outside of sexual addiction circles even. But um, in the counseling that we do here at Pure Life, you know, we find that that bitterness and unforgiveness, it's often the, like a huge underlying issue underneath that sexual sin. It's helping to drive that be because somewhere along the way, the person has been wronged. You know, someone committed an offense against him. And instead of forgiving that person, letting go of that offense, he's held on to it, uh, maybe even nurtured a grudge or sought uh, to punish the other person somehow or take revenge against that person. You know, it can get kind of ugly in our hearts what we do sometimes if we don't forgive. Um, spiritually, the failure to forgive leaves anyone in that place. They're in a really bad spiritual place at that point. And what we see here at Pure Life is that they've been prone to medicate all of that negative baggage that comes along with being a victim, the resentment, the bitterness. They medicate all of that with some form of sexual sin. And it's like, mm. you know, I would think of it in terms of like if somebody had a really debilitating migraine headache and they took some kind of pain reliever. You know, the, the sex addict is using sexual sin to relieve this massive pain that he feels inside quite often or just this negative baggage that he 
he's got in super abundance, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, sexual sin is at best just a temporary reprieve <laughs> from some of that, you know, and is even doing the uh, making things worse because it's adding more to that negative baggage, whether he realizes that or not. So, and then on top of that, okay, just <laughs> stay with me there, but yeah, yeah. but on top of that, the person is now in disobedience to some pretty clear commands of Scripture, right? Because when we're offended, Scripture says we need to forgive. Like in Colossians 3, uh, I'm going to give you some verses here. Colossians 3, 12 and 13, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. You know, that's Colossians 3. Ephesians 4, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. In Matthew 18, remember, we have Peter asking Jesus, you know, well, how often do I have to forgive my brother? Is seven times? Will that do it? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven, I tell you, you know. And then uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Lord's Prayer that uh, Jesus taught us to pray that we would be forgiven as (laughs) we forgive others. And then he circles back to that at the very end of uh, of that section in the sermon. And he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we have these clear commands in scriptures to forgive, and if we're not forgiving someone, then we're in violation against all of that. So we've got this disobedience that's wrecking our relationship with the Lord. You can't be in disobedience to his commands and have a healthy, thriving relationship with him at the same time. That just doesn't work. And so we're kind of simultaneously feeding the sexual sin and destroying our relationship with God when we're in unforgiveness. And so that's really why when someone crosses that line into forgiveness, they really have dealt with a lot of their sexual sin because part of what's been driving it is now removed from the equation and they can emerge from that. In uh, It's easier to find victory once my compulsion to do it has been removed. Once the pain's been removed, I don't need to medicate it anymore. I'm not driven to do that sort of thing. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I think that it would be worthwhile if anybody's listening and has the ability to pause, rewind, <laughs> listen to that again, take some notes. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really helpful because what you're really doing is explaining the process by which we go off track spiritually in that specific situation. Correct. Yeah. yeah A person right. gets offended or hurt and they have an opportunity to walk in a healthy direction spiritually or begin to veer off into a lot of dark places. Yes. And you're trying to show people how to get back on track. Correct, yeah. Um, Okay, that's really good. So, and that kind of leads me into my next question, because we're trying to talk to people who have genuinely repented, and are on the road to freedom, not people who are just like totally mired, you know, in in sin. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm looking at is the fact that things are going to keep coming up in our daily lives as as Christians, 
which have to be overcome. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we can get sidetracked. Have you seen this happen where the enemy or the flesh or whatever uses this specifically to just get a hold on a person and lead them back to where they have come out of? Uh, yeah, definitely have seen that happen, and not I wouldn't say it's uncommon necessarily either. You know, it can happen pretty frequently because offenses are going to continue to to happen <laughs> to mm-hmm. us. You know, and if it's worked well for the enemy in the past, is likely to try the same strategy uh, again in our life. You mm-hmm. know, so so if he can get us back into that place of unforgiveness, and sometimes maybe even he. Um, shrouds it a little bit so that we f- we don't realize that there's still even unforgiveness in there maybe from some past thing so we we've moved on but really it's still in there i don't know anytime we're in unforgiveness though i'll say this i think the enemy has a pretty easy time dragging you into some habitual sin and mm. sexual sin for many of us you know but um like I said, you know, we're, we live in this sin-corrupt world and fresh offenses are going to happen. So even if everything from our past is fully dealt with, we're still going to encounter fresh offenses and we have to learn to forgive. Um, I would say, Nate, here that married couples come to mind even as I'm saying that. Like they have to really watch this area because, you know, they may have totally forgiven all the stuff that happened <laughs> up to this point in time for the for their relationship. But you know, you live together with someone and we're both, you know, working through things, growing in our relationship with the Lord, maturing, and we're still going to offend each other at times. We're, and if we latch on to those offenses without forgiving them, that's going to lead to, you know, some pretty significant trouble in the marriage. So mm-hmm. I think we all, coming out of sexual sin especially, we need to be prepared to get tested in this area that that the enemy is going to try. And, you know, he's really good at pointing out how we've been wronged, how unfair something is, you know, how we've been overlooked or how we're not really appreciated like we mm-hmm. should be. And, and just helping us paint ourselves as a victim, like he really loves to do that. And, mm-hmm. and sowing his thoughts and stirring up, you know, feelings of animosity toward others, that sort of thing. So practicing forgiveness uh, really becomes one of those lifelong activities that we need to be good at to walk with the Lord. Hmm. And I guess, Nate, maybe a, another thing I should point out here is, is that sometimes maybe an offense is relatively small, and instead of actually forgiving, we just choose maybe to let it slide, like, okay, it's not that big a deal, forget about it. And, you know, that can turn into one of those situations where the little foxes spoil the vine because we really need to forgive the offenses, not just kind of ignore them or choose to overlook them. They, it's a good idea to come before the Lord and even, you know, telling the Lord, I forgive this person for mm. this <laughs> statement or action or whatever, you know, and just, I say that because even as I was, you know, kind of contemplating this uh, interview and you had sent me these questions, I actually found that I had to do that. (laughs) I had to just stop in the middle of my prayer time one morning and just recognize, you know what, I actually never forgave that person. I just kind of chose not to make an issue of something that had happened. And the Lord really prompted me, like, you you need to (laughs) forgive him. That's kind of, and all I can tell you is I felt completely completely different after I actually did that. Like something that was a weight or a burden that I didn't even recognize as such 
just got removed in that process. Mm. So, so I think that's important maybe too to realize uh, going forward <laughs> that that's how the enemy tries to trip us up. Mm. Okay, so you know I've heard a lot of people say that forgiveness is a process. And I've also heard you react very passionately against that, even to the mm. point where I think you were like pounding your knees. That's <laughs> not true. <laughs> I might have. I might have done that. <laughs> um, and I know that obviously you just want to help people. And mm-hmm. you did mention in that you said when you tell people that forgiveness is a process, it leaves them stuck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So why do, why would you want to communicate to somebody that forgiveness is not a process? Yeah, well, that's the reason because I feel like it keeps them in bondage. And, you know, if I uh, just try and express this, forgiveness just strikes me, first of all, as one of those areas where it seems like humanistic psychology has heavily influenced our understanding, even our understanding as believers, as Christians in this area. It's just got a lot of humanistic psychology mixed into it. So I get it that, you know, to the natural reasoning mind, it makes complete sense that if you're deeply wounded or offended, that it's going to take some time to, you know, the deeper that went, the more time should be expected to process those feelings, to get over the pain, to come to the place where you're willing to forgive the offender. But I've counseled so many men who are stuck right there in that place. And, you know, years after someone has sinned against them, they're still in the process of forgiving that person. And and even if it's only months, you know, you're stuck in that place. You can't really move forward. And that bothers me a lot, obviously. You know, I, I want to get people out of that place. Because that notion of this long process doesn't line up with what the Bible teaches us. Scripture lays out a clear standard for forgiveness, and and I quoted it uh, earlier. Uh, Let's just take Ephesians 4.32 because it's really like clear and concise right there in that verse. It says to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we're told very clearly to forgive others the same way that God in Christ forgave us. And so we ask ourselves, okay, how does God forgive? <laughs> how did he forgive us? Is it some long, drawn-out process? No, <laughs> you know, absolutely not. When I go to God and I acknowledge that I was wrong and I ask him to forgive me, he forgives me right then and there. Uh, you know, imagine, Nate, what would it be like if I went to God, acknowledged I was wrong, and he responded with something like, well, let me think about it. There's a lot to work through here, Ed. You, you know, you really hurt me deeply and, and I want to forgive you, but it's going to take some time. You know, if God did that, I don't I don't know where that would leave me. You know, I'd be a wreck, I'm sure. But when I go to the Lord and I ask for forgiveness, he swiftly, it feels like immediately, you know, is willing to forgive. Like, come here, son, I forgive you. You know, I almost feel him embracing me sometimes in that moment, you know. And I see this, the same thing really with Jesus on the cross. You know, he's in the midst of suffering this excruciating, uh, painful, and unjust death, right? And in the midst of all of that, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, right? Father, forgive them. That's the example that God has given us of how to forgive someone, right? Don't wait for them to ask. Don't get caught up in the details of the offense. Don't go through some long process. Just turn to the Father and forgive them. 
Now, hear me here. I'm not saying that's always easy to do, right? <laughs> I understand that it's not, but the answer is to turn to the Lord and plead for his help if that's what you need, you know, in order to forgive. And don't let yourself off the hook here. Don't keep giving yourself like extensions of time to work through it because that's just a bunch of unbiblical nonsense that's going to keep you in this stuck place in your relationship with the Lord. And Nate, if I can just draw this out a little bit, uh, the key here is seeing how you've been forgiven by God. If you're struggling to forgive, that's what you need to go back to (laughs) Uh, because if I see things right, I realize that I'm actually the chief of sinners here. You know, it's not the other person. I'm the chief of sinners. And when I consider my own sin, how vast (laughs) my sin is, how great this multitude of sins is that I've actually committed, the magnitude of my own sins, the depravity that they reveal, how deep I've gone and, and how much I've grieved the Lord while I was pursuing my sin. When I see how much God has willingly forgiven me, how much filth that he's cleansed me from, how much guilt and shame he's borne for me, when I look at all of that, how can I do anything less than forgive this other person who has offended me somehow, right? And so if there is a process attached to forgiveness, the process really is me considering God's swift and complete forgiveness of my own sin. It has nothing really to do with the depth of the pain of of the offense that someone else has committed against me. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. That was, yeah, very helpful. I'd like to ask a follow-up because I can think of a couple people who I've heard talk about forgiveness as a process, and I didn't hear them describe it in the way that you had talked about, which was that there's a long build-up to the point where I'm now I'm willing to forgive. I think the what they were trying to communicate was that the act of forgiveness can happen, and what will happen after that potentially is a a residue still of the pain, the memory, the thoughts, and that it may take some time to heal in that way. What would you say about about well, that? Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's some truth in that, right? That that our emotions may not subside right away because emotions follow our thinking and there is a little bit of a delay there sometimes. You know, I start to think right, but my emotions still don't line up quite with that. But that's, I guess, the challenge is, you know, if that's where you find yourself, you can't live out of those feelings. You can't treat the other person out of those feelings. You, And I wouldn't give them very much of a, like a high place in my own estimation of things. Like, I'm wrong. I need to just recognize that. I don't, uh, these feelings don't line up with what I've chosen to do, which is forgive and let go. And can I say too, Nate, we haven't really said this, but forgiving someone isn't just like, you know, we talk about forgive and forget and so forth, but but I'm, what I'm really doing is I'm assigning that offense to the Lord in a way. I'm giving it to him. I'm turning it over to him. So it's a real offense, but I'm saying I'm not going to be the judge and jury to decide how 
that offense gets handled. I'm going to let the Lord do that. He's the perfect judge, and he'll know exactly what to do. And if he wants to have mercy on that person and completely wipe that off the record, then he'll be just and right in doing that. And mm. if at the <laughs> end of the road they end up you know, having to face the consequences or, or something that develops because they've <laughs> committed that offense, he's the perfect judge. He'll handle that. So, so I'm not just um, saying it didn't matter or pretending it didn't happen. I'm deliberately giving it over to the Lord to deal with mm. instead of trying to deal with it myself. So I think if I'm in that place where my feelings just haven't quite gotten there, I just need to do a little self-talk that gets me in the right frame of mind here. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think what we see from Jesus, too, is that in the end, what you really want is you really want mercy mm-hmm. for that person. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. it would be, you know, there's something about this which I don't know that we can wrap our finite minds around, but <laughs> Jesus really wanted those men that were crucifying him to be forgiven. That was mm-hmm. his choice. I want forgiveness for them. Yes. Whether or not they would actually get that forgiveness is hard to say because, That's you know, right. that would require repentance. That's right. But his will was, if it's my choice, if I get what I want in this situation, I want them to be wiped yes. clean. Yeah. And Nate, you know, the Lord took me into a, a very... Uh, I had a, a personal experience with this. Maybe that's why I get so passionate about this whole subject sometimes because, you know, there was a situation in my life uh, not as many years ago as I wish it was, but where I had someone present in my life that offended me on a pretty much daily basis, to be honest with you, okay? There were just uh, – there was a belittling attitude toward me and some other things. I don't want to get into all the details of it, but I was really having a hard time <laughs> with that because it kept happening, you know, even if I forgave Monday's offense, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday would bring another kind of thing. And I've just, you know, I felt kind of stuck because of that. And I remember very clearly in my prayer time one morning, uh, I just, you know, was crying out to the Lord telling me, you know, how come he never has to repent to me? You always make me go to him and repent and it's just not right, you know, and uh, I don't know, just saying some things like that to the Lord out of a, a wrong heart, you know, but sure, you're being honest, <laughs> but I was though. being yeah. honest, yeah. yeah. And the Lord just kind of interrupted all of that with, I, all I know is to tell you is a little bit of a vision or picture in my mind's eye. And there was like this end time sort of scene where that man was brought before the judgment seat of God. And and God was saying, you know, this man, everything else has been forgiven, but there is this sin that he committed against Ed Book. And, and it's like I'm standing there and God is looking at me saying, you are correct. He offended you, and what he did was wrong and inexcusable, and if you want me to, I will sustain your <laughs> offense here, and I will send this man to hell because of that. But you know what happened in that moment is like it was so real to me that if I said he goes to hell, that he would go to hell, and everything in me was like, no, absolutely not. Like that, You can't do that, Lord. If he goes to hell, it can't be for any anything that he's ever done to me it can please wipe that all off the record don't ever bring it up i don't i drop it all you know mm-hmm. and something in me radically changed in that moment really and even going forward in my relationship with that individual things were very different and i didn't pick up those daily offenses uh anymore after that mm. 
Yeah, I really appreciate what you're saying because, and I'm, I'm, I know that people who are listening or watching are going to be able to understand this isn't just a nice theological discussion for you. Like this is something you've really had to work mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's a heart quality to forgiveness. Yes, in fact, that's what Matthew 18 literally says, that unless you forgive from the heart, that's where Jesus mm. requires the forgiveness to come from. It is a heart condition. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's probably people watching who are realizing that there is a... <laughs> they're like, okay, wow, I need to do business with a very specific situation. I need to forgive there are probably others who are saying, okay, I just need to learn to handle offenses when people hurt me so that I'm not harboring unforgiveness. What are some of the things, you you already talked about just seeing the depth or the level at which you've already been forgiven. Mm -hmm. Are there other things that you've learned about just keeping your heart clear of unforgiveness or bitterness? Uh, yeah, uh, let me try and give you a, a couple things that come to mind in response to that. I, I think one thing we all can get better at is guarding our hearts so that we're not so easily offended. You know, um, like 1 Corinthians 13 tells us uh, that love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things, you know. So in other words, if I am willing to believe the best about somebody else, maybe I actually am not <laughs> so easily offended. What he's doing, what he's saying right now, I'm hearing a motive that, you know, and and I'm kind of judging his heart motive, Mm -hmm. assuming that he's out to get me or he's saying this to hurt me on purpose Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But maybe that's not really so. And if I just practice love, like 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us, maybe I, I don't even pick up that offense to begin with. It just, my heart is a little shielded from that because I believe, no, that's not why he said it. Just just hear him out and see where this is going, maybe, without getting offended. And another thing I'd mention, maybe in a similar vein of guarding my heart, is is to make sure that we don't pick up someone else's offense, you know, where, where we're just kind of witnessing somebody else who's being mistreated or, or offended in some capacity. You know, don't make that my own offense. It's happening to them. God's grace is there for them to forgive, and I shouldn't get that deeply involved. I, I pray, I can intercede, you know, whatever. There may be even some you know, courses of action I can take to help the situation, but but definitely don't want to pick up that offense and own that. Otherwise, I need to repent of doing that because that's wrong on my part. And then I guess the last thing I'd say, Nate, in response to that question is is that we need to make sure that we see God right. <laughs> you know, oftentimes it's people who are big in our eyes, which kind of automatically means that God's small in our sight. And this needs to be turned around, obviously. You know, we need to see the Lord as big because if God is big, I really don't have as much room for offenses. Uh, it's not just recognizing here, though, that everything that happens has passed through his hands or that he's going to turn it and work it all out for good. Those things are true. But what I'm trying to say is that God has to be big in my sight because then there's simply less of my will to even get crossed in the first place or less of my expectations to go unmet or unfulfilled. So I'm not picking up these, uh, not gathering these offenses. And when God is big in my inside world, I am smaller. I guess that's the essence of what I'm trying to say. And when I'm smaller, it's just harder to offend me. And so if God has his rightful place, we're all better off. Mm. 
Mm. All right. Well, I really appreciate you doing this. And like I said, this is a very crucial issue mm. for certain people. Mm-hmm. And so I would just encourage them to listen to this as many times as they need to until it really gets in. Um, so thanks for coming in. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Hey, before we go, I've got a special announcement for you. And to help me with that is John Tabiri. John is the man behind the scenes for the podcast. He does the editing and the post-production. John, thanks for being here. You're welcome. So, John, what's the special announcement that we want everyone to know about? Well, we want everyone to know that the registration is open for the 2024 annual conference. And we want to extend a little bit of a personal invitation for our audience on Purity for Life to pray about joining us for that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the conference every year is a really special time. Hundreds of people are joining us in northern Kentucky for two days of worship, preaching, fellowship, but most importantly, just being in God's presence. So, John, what's the theme this year? The theme is truth. It will set you free. It will keep you free. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about the theme because a lot of people every year are coming feeling like just a really desperate need to be set free. And so this two-day event is a perfect opportunity to come and sit under the preaching of the truth. And man, when you sit under the preaching of the truth in the presence of God, who knows what kind of breakthroughs people could have during that time. So John, if people wanted to join us, what weekend should they block off on their calendar? They should block off the weekend of Friday and Saturday, May 3rd and May 4th. Yep, with a pre-conference for marriage and family, on Thursday, May the 2nd. Yep. Where would people go to get information about the conference or to register? Well, they can get on their mobile device or computer and they can go to conference.purelifeministries.org. Perfect. John, thanks so much. Guys, go there. Check out the conference trailer. Again, the dates are Friday and Saturday, May 3rd and 4th. We'd really love to have you join us. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.